Welcome and great to have you join us as we go off script with Sam Monk, Senior Leader of Equippers Church. Enjoy today's podcast. Well, welcome back to another episode of Off Script with Sam Monk. We're talking about leadership lessons, what what's worked, what hasn't, and everything in between. And once again, we're joined by Sam Monk, but also on this episode again uh, with his father, Bruce Monk. Good to have you again, Bruce. Great to be and, part of this. And uh, if you ha- uh, haven't caught up on the last two episodes, we've been talking uh, with both Sam and Bruce about some of the journey and particularly early on in Pastor Bruce's journey from being a farmer to then being filled, called to leading a church. And on the last episode, we just talked about, I guess, some of those early stages of ministry, the first church he ran in Whanganui uh, and then on to Lower Hutt. And I recommend you go listen to those. Also, make sure you take the time to uh, grab Pastor Bruce's book, Pave the Way. It will be a blessing to your life. Uh, but we want to continue on the conversation. And so we ended on, I guess, your time in Lower Heart, you're there out of obedience, and then uh, God called you, and there's agreement for you to move to Auckland, and so you arrived in Auckland. Do you want to just talk initially, I guess, what did you turn up to here in Auckland? What was the church like at the time? Well, yeah. I re- remember offending someone myself, <laughs> <laughs> because I'd just bought a new building. It was in um, Mount Albert. Mount Albert. And I remember driving towards it, and it was sort of we were leaving the centre city, getting further and further away. And then I walked into the building and they were so enthusiastic because they'd just bought it after so many years. And they said, what do you think? What do you think? And I thought, what I say now (laughs) is really important. But I was probably a little black and white. I just said, I don't like it. (laughs) And I could tell that straight away there was a a big distance put in. But it was just everything opposite to what I'd seen before I arrived. Um, And so we had to go on a process where we... uh, were able to sell that building. We came into the inner city, which was always a vision that I felt God wanted us for the church. And the church here uh, never went into what you'd call a massive growth phase. But every year, bar one, I think, we grew. And that year uh, was, I think the previous year was 171, and the next year was 170, so we dropped by one. Um, but, you know, it just went into the steady growth phase. And I think that's been generally the pattern right through Auckland because on the whole, we've had other uh, people come from other churches, but primarily God has given us a vision to touch the next generation. And uh, that has always been our mission. So therefore, it was about winning souls, creating a pathway for people to really commit their lives to Christ and be equipped and discipled. And that's been part of our journey. And when you look, you know, the church grew uh, just steadily up to 1994. We bought the Mercury Theatre, but 1995, Helen and I took a sabbatical and I felt that I'd come to a ceiling uh, in myself. Uh, and so we did the sabbatical and we went right around uh, Europe, South Africa and Europe. And uh, we actually went to every place, which I, I think now is, was a God smile, every place that we now have churches in Europe, but without wow. knowing that that would actually happen. And so I came back and I felt, OK, I'm refreshed. But I didn't feel as though I had an answer to break the ceiling. And so God has always been incredibly faithful 
in allowing me to have significant encounters. And so I was at this point where... So, so what you're saying is, you know, because you made a lot of transitions, is there's always an encounter that's led to, to the, the next decision. season. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And so those encounters, going back to the farm, I mentioned in a previous podcast that kneeling in the uh, cow dirty track. cow track, and, uh, and there's been others since then, so I won't go into every encounter, but there were significant moments. I remember Wanganui being in a, my office, and I had a conversation with the Holy Spirit for one hour, just one day, just talking, and in a way, he started to create a future path and it was just that encounter which was inspiring so you read but those encounters are important you're biblical and this encounter was I, I've always been good in my daily readings uh, right through so reading for myself not just getting sermons and so I came to my readings were 1 Kings and Psalms and so 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 29 just says that God gave Solomon wisdom, exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand of the seashore. I remember reading that and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, Bruce, this is the key to what I want to do next. And uh, I want you to understand wisdom. I want to give you exceedingly great understanding. You can't, that's not knowledge. That's understanding comes out of experience. But the largeness of heart, like the sand of the seashore. And I remember reading it, and the Holy Spirit put this impression on me that my heart was too small for what God wanted to do. Wow. And I remember feeling the restriction. At that point, I would have thought I had a big heart. But actually, the Holy Spirit made me feel. And then my next reading was Psalm 78, and I read through Psalm, if you know the Psalm, if you want to read it, it talks about the nation of Israel's stubbornness. And it goes through and how God wanted to move them, but there was a stubbornness. And then I read the scripture in verse 41, it just says that uh, God... Um, Limited. They limited. Yeah, um, it says they, how they grieved the uh, Holy One of Israel and limited him. And the word limited really just went into my spirit and just, and I went into this dream and it was like a, an encounter. In the dream, I died and I, I was now in heaven. I was in the presence of Jesus and I remember looking at Jesus, feeling, man, everything I've believed, I was not disappointed by. Wow. Um, and that was just, being in his presence was overwhelming. And then, wasn't a big conversation. He just said, Bruce, he said, I've never doubted your love for me, but one thing I want to say to you, you limited me while you were on earth. I want to do far more through your life than you gave me the ability to do. And then I woke up and I remember just being so moved by what had happened. So the scripture of 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29, and these two dovetailing together and then this supernatural encounter with God. And that's when the Holy Spirit put into my heart, I want you to believe to plant 10, ten churches in 10 major cities of the world. And that was the beginning. That was the seed. And struggling with it because I was this farm boy. Yeah. Uh, dyslexic. 
Um, even though I've written a book. <laughs> so you'll need the Holy Spirit to interpret the book. No. <laughs> um, but, but dyslexic and then thinking, you know, who am I? But he said, no, no, if you believe me, I'll show what you do, uh, what I will do. And so that's why and that became the launching pad for the next steps. So the next steps were, uh, that was 1995, building the church. Sam came into the church sort of uh, the late 90s. I was in the church the whole time. Yeah, the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, into ministry. In terms of leadership, yeah. yeah. <laughs> into ministry. Uh, so the late 90s started to take over. Uh, the um, young adults or students side of the ministry succeeded. I share that journey in the book. And, uh, and then the Holy Spirit spoke to uh, me and it was again a, a divine encounter. I want you to move to London. We'd already uh, attempted to plant a church in London with Mark and Rory Stevenson, who'd really served and did an amazing job within the environment. But their visa was cancelled, so we had to say, Do we carry on? And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, I want you to go to London. And uh, I remember sharing with Helen, and she said, No, no, we send people, we're not going. And so Parents, that's uh, convenient. Eh? Yeah, children leave home, not parents. And um, and but the next morning we ran this breakfast. It was a staff breakfast, and we ran it in our home. And um, without mentioning names, there was a guy. And in the breakfast, we would pray for everyone. It came to Helen and my term, and there was this guy who uh, started to prophesy. And he actually prophesied, this is hilarious, he prophesied, and I'm not saying I'm the boss, but I was really his boss. He prophesied me out of the church, <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious. It was totally unethical, but you know, he didn't know the ethics. And he prophesied me out of the church that I would go to another nation. And so the conversation we'd had the night before in our bedroom was prophesied wow. in that meeting. And that really became the journey to say, okay, we need to explore this. So we went to London, 2000, came back, and that was the beginning of transitioning over to Sam uh, in the year 2001. But it came out going back of that encounter in 1995. Um, and, you know, that was an important encounter. And I, I really believe right now the Holy Spirit is really wanting to apprehend people's hearts. Never underestimate the power of godly encounters to define your future. It won't be completely clear, but it will give you the opportunity to process and start moving forward. I think that's a big thing in terms of 1995, you know, feeling a sense of call, but not being sent to, you know, five years later. But even the sense of call was way back on the farm. Yeah. But the years it took to actually develop uh, you as a person to be able to handle that call, because a lot of people feel called today, but they haven't been sent. Um, and there's there's a point of time for sending where you go with God with an authority and with an anointing. Otherwise, you know, a lot of people. I, I think there's a big danger. Is a lot of people feel called, but then they try and outwork the call in their own flesh. Um, and so just being patient in those moments yeah, yeah is being a big thing. I think the important part is that I'm not ready. <laughs> 
So, so you can have a vision of your future, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for what God wanted to do. Uh, I uh, had developed good pastoral skills, and uh, sometimes I can, Helen reckons I put down my pastoral skills, um, but I was a good pastor. Uh, Helen and I, you know, we, we, we love people, um, but that's not the primary gift on my life. It was the apostolic side, and the development of the apostolic side of my life was the most painful part. <laughs> That's where the most pressure came from. And so I wasn't ready for what God wanted to do. So God had to develop. And often we get it. You know, there's a, another great scripture which came right back from the farm is Psalm 119, verse 105, where it just says, The, the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And the light unto your path is your vision. The lamp unto your feet is where you are now. And the lamp will only lead you one step at a time. And if that's your vision, I hope people could see that, but if your vision is straight it's ahead of you, those, straight um, of your audio, God never leads you straight towards your vision. He will always lead you because he's got to develop your capacity before he can allow you to land in your vision. And I think that's a major leadership principle. People can see, but in a way they don't have the wisdom, they don't have the understanding, they haven't developed the process. And even when you get to where God wants you to be, you're still not developed. Because <laughs> there's another developing phase, yeah. you know, but God's got to actually prepare you. And that's why it's important to let the Holy Spirit direct those steps. Do you, you know, having been through that, experienced it, you know, that development, do you see how there were times where you're frustrated because you felt far away from where God had called you? Um, you know, I know you led, um, you had a vision for the movement we're a part of, um, but it wasn't progressing <laughs> the way in, in the timing that you thought it should. And uh, how did you handle those moments of frustration? <laughs> Um, frustration for me comes back to if I've got an encounter to work from, I can actual, actually handle process because I'll always come back and say, this is not my will, this is God's. So I can actually handle process on the basis of encounter. So with the transformation of the movement, uh, we as a church, were all, we had almost left our movement. In my mind, we'd left. The elders had agreed. And then it was the night before I was meant to go in and send a letter out. I was praying and the Holy Spirit, I had another divine encounter that came from Psalm 37. And out of that, God just adjusted it. And he said, if you stay where you are, I will show you and give you the desires of your heart. And so out of that, I shared it with Helen and we backed away. And now I look, and when it came to the movement, I knew man might have seemingly appointed me, but I knew God had placed me. And so therefore, I never had to battle with something that was God's appointment, God's agenda. So that released the strength for you to um, handle the, the pain, the criticism, yeah. you know, and, and the timing. Timing, everything else. So, so I was able to just stay true to what I, what I believe God had shown me. And in a way, I knew that I just absolutely knew. And, I, and I'm quite public about it. I think God's called me to actually reform the apostolic movement around the world. 
Now, that's a bigger process. <laughs> um, but I think it's a God thing. Um, and I just knew, but I knew the call, so I was able to be patient. Uh, and I could take step by step until we came to the point where the movement now is, it came from one centrally governed organisation to, I think we've implemented 90 different trust deeds and shifted a massive number of um, millions of dollars of real estate. Now that just simply came out of that encounter. And that gave me the strength, the resolve to stay true. Sit in meetings where, you know, you had incredible... Often I felt, you know, I, no, I, I felt strong agendas against, so I was going to use another word, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for opening up the conversation, Pastor Bruce, and it's great hearing your story, especially for, you know, especially young leaders coming through and stuff, just hearing how much it is driven from encounter and, I guess, moments with God, because it is easy to get quite... Uh, especially in, I guess, the modern ones coming through, a bit systematic and just, uh, in a way, uh, just going through the motions of leadership and the motions of church. But to just remind, you know, those significant encounters are what lead to significant breakthrough. And so uh, thank you so much for your time. Again, Bruce and Sam, and we'll be back uh, next time with another episode of Off Script with Sam Monk. So make sure you join in. And in the meantime, you can get yourself the book. Uh, Monkministries.com. Monkministries.com. There And I think Pastor Helen also has some books up there uh, that you can get your hands on. Otherwise, thanks for joining us on this episode of Offscript with Sam Monk. Thanks for listening to Offscript with Sam Monk. If you found this podcast helpful, make sure you pass it on. We love your feedback. So drop us a line about what topics you'd like to hear about on Offscript with Sam Monk.